Welcome back to the Sacred Arts Academy channel, where we talk about all things from the sacred to the practical. Today, I'm really excited to have Gabriel Pimstone um, on our on our podcast today. She has spent 27 years in a corporate psychology career before a fortuitous encounter with a podcast redirected uh, the tra uh, the trajectory of her life. She has since embraced the role of an energy coach dedicated to assisting individuals experiencing burnout and feelings of stagnation. Gabriel specializes in teaching potent energy techniques that incorporate advanced sacred geometry, facilitating healing and guiding individuals through significant life transitions. Her goal is to empower people to live with a renewed sense of purpose and passion. I really love this. Um, so welcome, Gabriel. Thank you so much, Jesse. When you speak like that, I think to myself, advanced sacred geometry. How do I even talk about that? Because it all sounds so fancy. But I've, <laughs> you know, but it's it's. I'm really looking forward to talking about it. But thank you for the introduction. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah. So I'd like to get just a little bit mm -hmm. of a background. To me, your background is so fascinating because it reflects my own story. I have a master's in psychology. I was in corporate America for such a long time. So I love to hear your story in how ingrained you were in corporate in, in the corporate world. And how did you make that transition into, um, you know, energy coaching? I was very ingrained. It's such a great question. And um, I'd love to hear your story as well. But very ingrained. It was my whole identity, actually. And part of the work that I was doing in my own therapeutic process with my therapist was to disconnect emotionally from my career because it had taken over. Um, from a very, very young age, Jesse, I've been uh, really curious about a about personal development. And I even remember at age, it was about eight years old, having my first really potent dream and getting swept away by it. Uh, it was actually a really frightening dream for me. And I remember waking up as a young child with this dream and I was terrified. But um, even though I was scared of it, I actually leaned into it and I took out my journal, sat on my windowsill and I just started documenting the dream. And what I found when I documented it was that was a cathartic process. I didn't understand what the dream was about. I hadn't learned how to make sense of my dreams yet, but it was cathartic and it got me on this path to personal mastery self-mastery and then my dad passed away when I was nine and you know grief often pushes people to explore avenues for coping and that got me really well into psychology but spirituality was loitering in the background the whole time because after my dad died maybe a year later or so I said to my mom I wanted to go and see a medium and she was outright no you can't do that so I moved into the field of psychology in a very big way. And I had a career in it for, you know, nearly three decades. I loved it. Um, and then what happened was I had an inflection point in my life in 2020. And the tried and tested psychological methods that I'd always been, you know, used to get me through tough times didn't work anymore. 
And that got me onto a different path. Plus, I heard a podcast and the confluence of all of that came together to move me, you know, bring spirituality front and center into my world. Mm, I love mm. that. It so resonates my own story. And, you know, so often we're taught that, you know, seeking out mediumship or, you know, tapping into our spirituality is a huge no-no. And it comes from our ancestry DNA. And that fear is really embedded in our epigenetics. Um, And so I'm wondering how, how were you able to like move through having being so ingrained in your corporate uh job and then moving into this energy coaching can you tell us a little bit about the backstory yes. there? The, the backstory was there was a I was in a job that I hated I was in a senior leadership role in a bank you can't get more vanilla than that <laughs> and I was in like working with risk in a bank so it was very very vanilla and I hated it I was stressed I, I'd lost the essence of myself. I was kind of going through the motions and it had been creeping up on me for about a year or two. It's like my work wasn't blowing my hair back anymore. And on Sunday morning, on it was the 9th of August, 2020, woke up and I felt sick. I just felt like I don't want to get out of bed. Um, I, I was like overcome with anxiety. It was, the next day was Monday. So I started getting the Sunday blues at like seven in the morning. <laughs> And I took myself for a walk and I listened to a podcast, which is why I love podcasts so much. It turned me around. The woman was talking, she was being interviewed. She had almost lost her daughter, like, I don't know, 10 years before. Her daughter had been in a really bad car accident. And this poor young woman was, you know, she had to learn to walk again. But 10 years later or so, everything she had a full recovery. She was expecting a baby. This woman being interviewed was going to be a grandmother for the first time and she couldn't enjoy the moment. She was always waiting for the other shoe to fall. And when I heard those words, I was like, that's me. And I can't live with this anxiety anymore. So I actually resigned from that job the next day, but it took me about 18 more months to get really into it because I, I trained up, spent 18 months uh, learning how to work with energy and becoming an energy practitioner. So it is actually a podcast that got me on this path for good. So, <laughs> which is why I guest all the time now, because I think podcasts have a transformational effect. <laughs> so that yeah. was, that's what got me into it. Yeah. That's incredible. I've always been of the belief that sharing our story and doing it in a, you know, in any medium, whether it's Instagram, on a blog post, whatever the case may be, people that need to hear it will find it. And if you resonate with it, it's, it's, it's a sign, right? There, there's something there for us to learn or it's something that's being mirrored to us that we need. Yes, yes. And in actual fact, I was talking to another podcast host the other day, and he asked me, have you gone back to the producers of that podcast and let them know how profound it was? And I said, no, I haven't, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> so, well, so yeah, I think uh, storytelling is the most profound way to heal, grow, and it goes back centuries. It's an age. Oh. I'm actually originally from Africa and it's an age old tradition there. So I'm really into it. <laughs> oh, I love that. Mm. Now, in the 
in the beginning, we mentioned sacred geometry. Can you tell me a little bit about your history with sacred geometry? What is it and how have you been able to kind of build your energy coaching with, with that modality? Yeah. Okay. Great question. So actually I didn't know anything about it until I started studying and I didn't start studying because I wanted to learn about uh, sacred geometry. I started studying energy because I was stuck and I needed a different modality to help me move forward. So uh, I learned about it and I have, it is just, it is what makes or breaks an effective energy practitioner. Um, so basically what it is, is if you think about uh, the universe or the you know, nature, the human body, you see these perfect geometric shapes found everywhere. Galileo referred to um, uh, sacred geometry as the alphabet used by God to design the universe. It's known as the universal language. So an example would be um, looking at snowflake. That's a great example. That there's a perfect, it's divine proportions, uh, dimensions, and there are lots of those examples. Like looking into the middle of a flower, you see, you know, you see animals with geometric, perfect geometric shapes all over them. Inside the human body, we've got our DNAs, this perfect spiral. Our cells are spherical. And each of these geometries, you can have really simple geometries like a sphere, but you can also get really sacred, uh, very uh, complex and advanced sacred geometries. An example for your listeners might know would be like Metatron's cube or the Sriantra. Now, each sacred geometry has got divine proportions and divine ratios. And as a result of that, they house a specific frequency that can be used for different kinds of healings and different kinds of things. Now, advanced sacred geometries, you know, when it's more complex patterns, and also when you start layering one geometry onto it, uh, uh, each other, the effect, the compounding effect on that is that the more you layer, the more potent the frequency and the healing is. So um, what they do and how they support uh, the work that I do as an energy coach and you know working with my clients and healing them is that they act as an adapter. They divine, they've got divine intelligence, they've got divine proportions and frequency. And when you use them, and there are different ways of using them, sometimes you can draw them into you, sometimes you can put them around you, whatever the case may be. However you use them, you don't, as a human being with finite energy, don't have to house the energy that's coming through, that's being channeled, because the sacred geometry does it for you. And it's so what that means is firstly more love and light can come in that you would ordinarily be able to channel as a human being without that kind of support. But also you don't get as tired <laughs> as a healer. You've got more in your tank because you're not drawing on your own energy, you're drawing on divine energy. So that's how it helps and supports. Mm, I love the idea of, you know, the way that you kind of explained it, I kind of envision it of it being over your aura or over your electromagnetic field and having you kind of having that kind of power, the energy healing that you're doing, that that sounds really powerful. Well, that's one way. So, you know, if you put it over your energetic field, uh, like as far as your aura, um, there's, you know, it does a particular thing, but I actually find it is a lot more 
if you pull it in and expand it, you actually embody it, which is actually a lot more potent and powerful. But when I work with my clients, I'll put it over them. I won't get them to embody it because they haven't got the energetic capacity yet. You've got to work up to that, right? So it's it's exceptionally powerful. And most people know about Reiki. And I'm not, I've, I've never done Reiki, but people I've studied with have done Reiki. And they Reiki uses symbols. This is different. This is advanced sacred geometry. It's like, what does the Metatron's cube do? Let's use it. What does Sri Lanka do? What does the tree of life do? What does the flower of life? All those really complex structures. It's too beautiful to even describe. Mm. <laughs> mm. I love that because I am a Reiki practitioner. And as you yeah. were describing it earlier, I was like, oh, it's a lot like the Seiheiki or the Shokurei, which is used in yes. Reiki, which are very powerful symbols. I love the idea of integrating, you know, like the flower of life, you know, for rebirth and to, to power up, um, the healing that one is doing, whether it's for yourself or for a client, which is really beautiful. It's beautiful. And actually the flower of life has become my signature sacred geometry because when I was at my level three live event in Colorado, I kept seeing this, I was on sacred land and I kept seeing every day this orb presented itself to me. And the first day it was like a gold disc in my throat chakra. I didn't know it initially, but then I saw it in photos and then like the next day it started going a little bit greener. And then the third day it started showing me geometric patterns. Fourth day, the geometric patterns became more pronounced and fifth day, it was like, okay, it's showing me the flower of life. And so I've been able to, um, and then I was seeing it with my eyes and it was dancing in front of me. I've got videos. It's just magnificent. So that's become a go-to geometry for me. Um, in most of my healings. Wow. That's <laughs> incredible. Cool. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It was very special, really special. When it comes to your energy coaching, can you tell us a little bit about the other types of modalities? Um, how is that, how is that path growing for you? Well, I, I, I use two modalities. I bring psychology and energy work, I fuse it together because I've got so many years of psychology. I can't kind of, just can't leave me. Um, and also it's really important as part of the coaching process to help the client understand what they're dealing with. You know, it's one thing to clear what's tripping them up, but it's really useful for them to understand what it is that we're clearing. So I bring both of those. I call it almost like a fusion of East meets West. It's like uh, dealing with contemporary psychological challenges, but within a spiritual framework. That's how I do it. I love mixing things up. I'm a huge believer in, you know, being eclectic and drawing from different disciplines. I think it only enriches the healing process. Um, and then also, you know, I'm a coach. I'm an a, a actual coach. A certified coach so um, I bring all of that modality in which is the capacity for my clients to reflect um, I also use feedback as a powerful tool in my coaching because I think 
it just opens up the blind spots. It just goes there and obviously doing in a loving uh, way. Um, and, you know, I'm very pragmatic. I, I do work up in the ethers, but my clients experience pragmatic, like I teach them practical ways to manage and master their energy. And I think that that's also where the rubber hits the road. The ability to translate this really groovy, lofty stuff we do into practical how-tos for our clients. I absolutely agree because that's exactly how I see the world. Like I, I love the groundedness and the ethics of psychology and everything that that gives us from an educational purpose, but it doesn't really bring the holistic part of it, which is the spiritual side and the energetics and really getting into the nitty gritty of that. And it sounds like you really mend um, or meld the both together yes, to provide a holistic experience for people. That's beautiful. It feels that way. Yes. And then when I work with groups, I'm also a accredited group facilitator. So I work, I bring, I'm a Jungian facilitator. So I bring kind of Jungian principles into it and we work with dreams and we do all groovy things. It's, it's wonderful. It's nice. Oh, nice to have that. a, yeah, it's nice to have a bit of a toolkit you can pick from. Yeah, for sure. Because not, not everybody's going to need the same modalities or the same thing. Everybody has completely different experiences and completely different needs. And so to be able to listen to somebody and understand like, okay, these are kind of the, some of the tools that I have that will go perfectly with what they need in their life. And in this moment of their developmental stage is a beautiful thing instead of providing the same kind of modalities over and over it's just not going to work for every person so I love that you tailor that well said Jesse I agree with that thank you yeah <laughs> of course I am curious to know about what are some of the common challenges that individuals face when going through you know major life transitions and how do you teach or help them overcome some of these challenges yeah, a really great question. I think um, the most important, I mean, uh, uh, transitions, human transformation, life changes are stressful. They, you know, they're uncertain times. We go through ups and downs. We go through the valley of despair. We go through the dark night of the soul. You generally go through a very, very disruptive period before things start, you know, stabilizing. And by transitions, I mean career changes, getting out of a relationship or into a new relationship, moving continent, city, or anything, right? And so what you, what, it's really important to be able to master your energy because when your vibration is high, Okay, and that's ultimately what I'm always working to to do with my clients. When it's high, you you need you need resilience, right? So when you're, you're vibrating high, you actually you do much more than just bounce back from adversity. You actually rise above adversity. It doesn't affect you as much, and so that's why mastering your energy from a resilience perspective is such a crucial skill for navigating transformation or life transitions it just it's like you're on a different wavelength you're on a different frequency and what would ordinarily have pulled you down for days either dips you very quickly or you don't dip at all and I think that's an important skill when you're transitioning in life mm -hmm. 
Well said. Um, do you have any tips or any recommendations where people can start to kind of elevate their frequency and start to kind of practice this yeah. elevation? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you don't need to be an energy master to start mastering your energy. <laughs> and uh, there are so many practical and simple things that you can do that will align with your lifestyle um, if you're busy and also if you're not really that interested in going too deep in the topic. So and there's, I, I can think of a million things. Um, okay, here's a daily practice that I personally do every day and that I do teach people what to do. Uh, one thing that I find really helpful to guide my energy and the focus of my energy for the day is when I wake up in the morning, pick one word that's going to tune in to what you might need and pick one word, a simple word, but that's going to have really sacred meaning for you. And let that word guide you throughout the day and remind you where to put your focus and energy. So for example, when I woke up this morning and I tuned in, my word today is allow, allow, A-L-L-O-W. Simple word, but it's got profound meaning for me today because what it's doing, what I'm focusing on today is surrender. And so when I find myself trying to control something a little bit too much, it's just that word allow. And so that's a really simple, very simple tactic for um, directing and focusing your energy. You can also do um, the simple practice and, you know, set an alarm a few times a day and sit for a 30 seconds and tune into your energy and ask, is it expanded or is it contracted? You know, just those simple questions two or three times a day really helps interrupt kind of dips. And so there are such simple, such pragmatic things that you can do to become aware of your energy and to keep it on the right track. I mean, yeah, those are the simplest things. Uh, and then you can go a little bit, you know, you could run a bath, for example, and pay uh, solfeggio, maybe five to eight frequency or higher above a love-based frequency. And you can dedicate your bath to healing because water... Um, transmits energy and it really amplifies healing so you could do something like that or before you go to sleep at night you could set an intention I'm really big on healing during sleep to set, set a heartfelt intention tonight as I sleep um, help me release what is keeping my vibration low so that I can wake up tomorrow morning being renewed and you know invigorated and set that intention before you go to sleep. There's so many practical things you can do. Mm, I love these easy. easy. The, the, all of these don't take a lot of time. You don't have to carve out a whole hour to do. It just sounds so simple and yet so effective. Yeah. Um, and yes. it's so interesting because about like an hour or two ago, I was sitting with a group and we were talking about a two-syllable word for uh, as a mantra for meditation. So this is coming up again for me. So it sounds like it's something I have to look into. <laughs> so I'm excited for that. Well, yeah, words are powerful, you know. Two, yeah. two syllable, actually, yeah. 
allow. I just allow, do circles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I do it every day. <laughs> yeah. That's so, incredible. And I love mm-hmm. the meaning behind it. It's like a reminder of surrender and trust, which is something that I am working on. Um, and I can think of a few other words that would raise my, my vibrations and kind of just bring me back into alignment and to that focus for the day, which is so amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. You're really welcome. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I've done is I um, have made a, a card deck of about, it's about a hundred cards and it's, I've taken all my big aha moments and I've captured them into sound bites, you know, mantras and some, I, I'm not doing it now, but there are there are times where I like I pick a card and I read it and then it becomes my focus for the day as well it's exciting oh I love that that's such a great Mm. idea Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah you mentioned resilience earlier and I'm wondering what role does resilience play in the process of accelerating transformation particularly when individuals are navigating those major life transitions it's everything it's absolutely everything and resilience is it's made up of so many kind of micro skills simple skill like asking for help is really integral to uh, resilience community and getting support through connection and communities another kind of uh, leg of of resilience so is living in alignment with your values and your purpose and you know, this, so it's absolutely everything. There is, you know, the way that I define resilience is it's it's not that physical, you know, you feel exhausted, but it's not a physical phenomenon. It's actually a psychological phenomenon where what's happening in your life, the demands of the situation exceed your capacity to deal with it. And so when we're going through these transitions, we can't control the demands on us because life's happening. All we can control is our capacity to deal with them, which is why mastering your energy is so important because it really, it kind of expands your your cup, for lack of a better word. It's mm-hmm. essential. It's essential. As is self-care. I talk a lot about self-care. Um, it's another big thing to amplify and focus on when you're going through life transitions it's a simple practice but it has powerful effects it is I feel like it is so important because last year I really stepped up my self-care game in terms of like really making the time to focus on myself to put myself first especially because I was dealing with grief And, um, it did wonders for me because in the times when I was faced with adversity, adversity, or I was faced with a major change, or I was faced with confrontation or some sort of resistance, it was a lot easier for me to get out of the downward spiral and back into the upward spiral of being in contentment and happiness and really in peace, like I had so much, I still have so much like self-peace within me because I've kind of shored up the importance of like my self-care. And it doesn't mean like going and doing my nails or massages. It was literally just sitting with myself and feeling my emotions, sitting with mother nature and matching her resonance, 
you know, like really taking time to go inward and becoming what I always tell people, like, you got to become a self-care expert for yourself because having the different, because yoga is not for everybody. I thought yoga was my thing. And I was like, this, this just makes me feel worse. And so I started to experiment with like breath work and different types of meditations and prayer and walking in nature, like literally going to the ocean and being with the ocean and in the forest, taking forest baths and things like that. And so I tried all of these different things. And then I made a decision on, yes, this works for me. No, this doesn't work for me. And then just really getting really clear on that and being like, this, these are the things that I need to do on a daily basis to be able to then build that resilience or build myself up to be able to, to face any adversity. Absolutely. And I love what you're saying, uh, Jesse, about like, it's just this, there's so many different categories of self-care, but floats one person's boat, sinks another. For me, and like you've just said, going solitude is your sense of self-care, not in the sense of loneliness, but in the sense of going within. And for other people, that would be the worst thing they could do. You know, they need to phone a friend and talk and connect. And for me, my favorite self-care practice is learning, actually. When I'm feeling at my worst, I listen to a podcast. (laughs) I read a book. I read an article. I inform myself and that's a huge form it's like mental self-care I would put it into that category and it it really it it does it for me the other thing is exercise exercise kind of shifts moves energy around and nature nature I'm big into nature I think Mm -hmm. the the elements have incredible healing power and um yeah I love what you're saying about walking yeah nature it's really interesting because the more I spent time with nature, the more animals would approach me or I would have like, it, it seems weird, but I would have like conversations with trees and just like the movement of nature itself. Like I felt so connected and I felt so in tune and in turn that somehow filled my cup, if that makes sense. It makes Infinite sense to me, infinite sense. I put animals in the category of nature as well. You know, animals are incredible, especially pets, and they have the capacity to transmute energy, which is why if you're feeling rubbish and, you know, not great, and you hug a dog or you hug your cat or whatever it is, you actually feel physiologically, you feel better. They transmute energy for you. Mm. Um, And, and, it's interesting because the elementals like I actually bring them in to my healing as well not in the physical sense of lighting a flame but I work with earth energy uh, water energy fire energy and wind energy and by through intention I bring them in in different ways in different moments in a healing and it's magnificent (laughs) yeah I love that. That's so amazing. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about energy mastery and how we don't all need to master, you know, be a a master in energy to start working with it. Can you tell us a little bit about how 
even paying attention to your energy or having some sort of knowledge on your own energy, how does that contribute to having more balance in your life? Wow. Okay. That's such a great question. When you're working with your energy, I personally, I work a lot with the chakra system, you know, and you be talking the same language and it's really important. En energy blocks sit in our chakras and they're either, the, the chakra is either uh, there's an excess of something, they're too large or there's too little of something, so it's too small. And the goal of working with energy is to balance all the chakras. They're all the same size. They're all spinning in the same direction. And so it's when you are working on your energy, you are inadvertently balancing out your chakras, which is all about greater energetic flow, greater balance. It's absolutely essential to the game. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Mm. Um, I think that it is the missing element in society in general, globally. Um, maybe not globally, because there are certain countries that do focus on it and do teach, you know, children how to, you know, take care of our energy centers. But in in the West, I think that that is a huge piece. It's why there are so many sick people, so many obese people so many people in anxiety and just mm -hmm. in sadness and I think by having a little bit of perspective or even podcasts like these to help people kind of have a different perspective on taking care of our energy centers you know we don't have to necessarily go to somebody to be able to clear those out but it, it definitely does help um, by by educating ourselves in these energy centers and understanding how to take care of our energy, it's just it it is life changing. It's life it really is life changing. I absolutely agree with you about Western society. I mean, I live in a Western country. I live in Australia, and uh, what I am noticing though is what's so fascinating to me is more men are coming to ask for my services, which is they're seeking more balance, often because it's all been about work and they, their relationship, for example, has been it out. Too much of anything is actually not good. I would say too much of, I'm going to say something controversial, too much joy is probably has a detrimental element to it, even though we're in pursuit of it, because you do need a measure of suffering to grow and elevate too much peace is probably also not a great thing because um, kind of almost kind of uh, robotic, you know, you've got to feel the ups and downs of life in order to have empathy and all of those good things. So anything in excess, even the good stuff, is needs to be balanced out. And that's why I think energetically in life, Great periods are followed by not so great periods. And then when you're in the bottom of the barrel, it's followed by periods of grace. It's a constant balancing out. It's I think so balance true. is everything. Yeah. Yeah. I constantly tell people, like, I think there's three things that I think are really important in life. One, it is balance. Everything from like food 
you know, if we eat too little or we eat too much sex, um, you know, joy, love, sadness, like it, it's all like everything needs to be in the middle, right? Um, our egos, you know, we can go from one side and then not having an ego at all can also be very detrimental. So you have to come to the middle. Um, the second thing is life in general, whether you are intending, intending it or not, is all around intention. Your intentions are so powerful, whether you know it or not, right? And then the third thing is um, life is ever-changing. So if you are really happy, at some point you're going to come down. It's kind of like the inf infinity symbol. You're going to come down and be really sad at some point. But know that when you are sad and at the rock bottom, you're going to come back up. It's, it's ever changing. There is like this infinity circle going around in our lives because we're meant to experience all the ups and downs, like you said, and uh, nothing ever stays the same. Nothing, nothing, everything is ever changing. Yes. My mother had a mantra when I was going through my teenage years and I was up and down and always, I had a childhood sweetheart and we were always breaking up and, you know, fighting. And she said to me, everything shifts, nothing stays the same, you know, life shifts. And that's an absolute given. Jesse, what was your second, uh, the second truth? Uh, it resonated and it's just gone out of my mind. You said balance and then the infinity. What was the one in the middle? Intention. Intention is everything. In the energy world, it's everything. It's everything. Even yeah. if you're not in the energy world, like I see it with my parents and even like growing up, like the stories they would tell themselves, it would just go out and happen. And it was like, you see, I knew it. And I would think like, did you know it or did you will it? Right. <laughs> exactly. more, and more I played with that. It was like, no, you willed it because you really believed that. That's right. You know, like, and to me, intention is everything. And, and whether you're doing ceremony or you're doing something at work, like whatever your intention is for the day. If you think, you mentioned the Sunday blues earlier, like if you think the week is going to suck, guess what? The week is going to suck. suck. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Can I share a story about intention? That's Absolutely. very recent yes. with you. Um, actually, my ex-boyfriend, <laughs> he and I are still really friendly. And um, he messaged me the other day and he said to me, oh, he sent me this thing that I think has gone a bit viral. It's about intention setting. There's an exercise and he said, try it. Let's both do it and see what happens. So the exercise is just before you go to sleep at night, you're in state, you're about to drop off. Just imagine that there is a balloon in front of you a balloon and just imagine it build it in your mind's eye and then feel into the balloon almost you can smell you know that latex kind of smell smell it feel the texture just use all your senses to actually feel into the balloon as if it was right in front of you and go to sleep and then when you wake up the next day see how many balloons you see Okay, now you could do that with any object, I guess, but the woman on this clip was talking about a balloon because we don't see them very often. So he said to me, do this. So, and then I said, okay, let's do it tonight. And then I completely forgot about it, but we had had a conversation 
So I had the intention to do it and to see balloons the following day. And I forgot about it at night. The next morning, I woke up and my social media posts were full of balloons and I hadn't even done it. And that's the power of sometimes you don't even have to set the intention formally for the intention to be set in motion. And I just thought that was crazy. That is incredible. I really All over. love yeah. that. I'm going to give it a try. <laughs> give it a try. They, they say magic happens in the theta state. And right before you fall asleep, you're in automatically in theta. And so it's the perfect time to set intentions. And I love this really little is. exercise because you could really do it with anything, right? You could do it with a rose. You could do it with things that you don't normally see and just see what happens <laughs> exactly exactly and then the next with the intention that they'll manifest in your life the next day I can the entire day my entire social media were posts about balloons I've never seen anything like it that's so cool I mm. love that it is cool <laughs> but the thing was so you called it theta we call it theta I learned how to go into theta state um, and it it is the it's that that state where it, it's that it's more than meditation it's almost like hypnotic like you're being hypnotized it's the best place best time to set intentions because it's like you can see what's going on you can feel but you're sitting behind the scene that's playing out and you're kind of observing it so it's really cool yeah it's it's really interesting to purposely go into that state and to also stay awake during that state because the next state is Delta and you exactly get, get knocked out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I do like playing in, in theta and um, yeah, I often say that's the, the best time to pray is when you're in theta state. It's yes. Really incredible. Yes. So I am curious to know, where can people find you? Do you have any upcoming events or anything you'd like to share with the audience? Yes, well, they can find me on uh, Instagram, gabrielle.pimstone. I do have a Facebook page, but I'm not that active on it, although I do get alerts. If I'm very responsible, to, uh, responsive to DMs, so, you know, they can contact me there. Um, I. It's interesting you say that in, I'm moving into, I'm actually about to launch this product that it's it, I actually channeled it it's the most incredible product I think <laughs> I, you know I've got this absolute quest for ongoing learning and development but not everybody's wired that way most people want to sort out a problem and move on from it so it kind of got me thinking about what's the optimal way that I can support people who have that need but also help them not just a one sort but and I thought back in my life the times in my life where I've had the most transformation is when I've picked one issue in my life one issue that's most prevalent and I've spent 28 days pouring love healing conscious awareness into that issue and I have healed two of my biggest issues doing it that way, anxiety and grief. And so I've set up this container and it's a group container, small group, nice and cozy, where people can come in and um, 
work in a very focused way on that one thing that's tripping them up the most. And in my own experience, it's not only possible, but it's probable that you resolve that issue for good when you pull all your love and energy and obviously my healings um, and the tools that I give you into it. So it's 28 Days to Healing is the program. I'm actually finishing the landing page today. And uh, yeah, I um, I might just send you the link and get, you know, people want to go there. Uh, what I do is I always set up a complimentary visioning call. Uh, it's obligation free. You can join the program afterwards or not. But at the very worst thing that can happen is you sit with me for half an hour. I help you get clear on what's tripping you up. Um, get clear on the goals and give you a path forward. So, you know, so I'll I'll send you the link to that as well. So that yeah. people, if they want, just to have a chat with me can get hold of me that way. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that offering. I know that it's very well needed in the world. And I will definitely link that um, landing page down below. Right. That's wonderful, Jesse. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with our audience. Um, it has been really enlightening and actually very validating for me. So thank you for sharing. And to our audience, if you really enjoyed this episode, give us a review down below. Let us know what you thought. And even with just an emoji, it, it says a lot. Um, like and subscribe and we'll see you next week. So when you join my Patreon, you get uh, the uncut version of each episode and we go a lot deeper. For example, on this one, at the end, I talk about my recent awakening and my relation to the Black Jaguar. You get to catch the um, conversations before and after with each guest and you get so many bonus um types of content. So just for $3 a month, you support the, the podcast and you help us uh, move forward with interviewing more guests and learning on this journey. So join my Patreon to support.